You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome to American Sex, the award-winning podcast dedicated to challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have in the U.S. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and ridiculous, sadistic kinksters. We're also non-monogamously married to each other. So strap in or strap one on. In this house, your pleasure is power. Your kink is customizable. And your subversive perversions are revolutionary. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 198 of American Sex Podcast. You know, every episode I tell you how I love my sound effects, but I feel like the lead up is inspiring me to be falsely excited. Like, like the hello, my friends, you know, that's not, but then when I get to like, of American sex podcast, I'm like a, I don't know, game show host or a lounge singer or whatever. Really, my enthusiasm is genuine, though. I am excited about this episode. I'm excited about you listening along uh, this week. Guess who's back? It's Midori, fresh off her trip to Japan, where she was invited to teach a shibari class. Now, in this conversation, we explore the kink and BDSM communities in Japan and how they differ from here in the U.S. Plus, we break that conversation out to the importance of recognizing the fundamental differences in various cultures around the world. Now, we discuss how the way consent and safety, how they're approached, how it can vary drastically from place to place, how differing social norms and hierarchies influence our collective play styles. And when you're in a different culture, those are completely different. And so are our play styles. Spoiler. And also how we can apply these insights to our own backyard. Because us Americans, even North Americans, even like Western Europeans, I'll throw in Australia there too. You know what I'm saying? We are not great at considering experiences beyond our own. I'm going to say especially Americans, maybe not Western Europeans. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time there, but maybe I'll I'll form an opinion when I'm more global in that respect. But yeah, we're selfish. We think our way is the only way, yada, yada. You know how it is. And for us kinksters, that includes experiences of those in a different region, town, or social group, or local BDSM community, we don't consider those at all. So even if you never plan on leaving your own country, or even venturing outside your own local munch, having a more global perspective can broaden your understanding of BDSM, can help you think about the emotional and the psychological sides of kink in a more diverse way. And of course, that's good because that means better scenes and better relationships with those in your own community. It is win-win. It is good, y'all. And also, hi, this conversation is with Midori. Wonderful. And let me tell you the impetus for this conversation. It was twofold. You know, Midori just returned from teaching in Japan and was talking to me about it. And also, I am learning about the huge differences in kink subcultures more recently as I'm researching for 
our upcoming international move to Portugal. So yeah, we geeked out on this. We wanted to geek out on it with you too. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Midori, let me introduce you. Midori is your fairy god auntie of kink, exploding expectations and challenging conventions. She's a trailblazing educator, sexologist, artist, and irritant to banality. Uh, Midori founded Rope Dojo and Forte Femme, Women's Dominance Intensive. She also wrote the first English instruction book on Shibari called The Seductive Art of Japanese Bondage, which just had its 20th anniversary. Oh, no. Is it 20? Did a year go by that fast because it was written in 2001? Wow. Time. It's gone. But she paved the way for the popularity of rope bondage. Dan Savage called Midori the supernova of kink and others affectionately call her Auntie Midori for her cool, tell it like it is, funny, reality-based teaching. She's also the author of Wild Side Sex, Master Han's Daughter, and Silk Threads. And Midori does workshops and writes articles and art events, all that stuff, currently on her Patreon she is working on her next Shibari book as well. So you get peeks into that on her Patreon. And she does amazing office hours every, I think it's two weeks. Check, make sure I'm, I'm remembering correctly. But come in, ask questions, talk about anything about kink. It's on Zoom. It's amazing. So before we get to our conversation on global kink, let's wash the balls. <laughs> If you're not familiar with ball washing here on American Sex Podcast, that's housekeeping. But, you know, housekeeping's boring. Washing the balls is a little bit more fun. So what's been going on? Zipper Magazine. Let me tell you about what we've been doing. For those of you who don't know, I am the editor-in-chief of the kink-focused Zipper Magazine. What have you missed since last time? Oh, oh, okay. Caning fetish with Miss Ruby Marks. Amazing amazing. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'll have the the link to the video in the show notes. You're going to love it. And then we got into Santa fetish, like deep, deep into, do people have a thing for Daddy Christmas? Yes, they do. Uh, author Mark Hay talked to sexologists and Santa historians, all sorts of different stuff. I also just dropped, like just, I think yesterday, dropped a video with 20 Christmas or aka Kinkmas scene and role play ideas. So check that out. And oh, another one. Have you heard of Tradwives? Okay. So Tradwife stands for traditional wife. And basically, it's a woman who adheres to ultra traditional gender roles in marriage or, you know, long term relationship. And this Includes things typically like, you know, domestic tasks and prioritizing her husband's career and hobbies and aspiration and submitting to male leadership across the board. If you've got a family, it's like, you know, you put being a mom and a homemaker and all that first. And there's nothing wrong with that, mind you. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Tradwife subculture specifically, um, it's based on 1950s era family values. And where I'm going with this is the term trad wife and that uh, subculture has been embraced by and used in reference to a growing movement and yes, a subculture within far right extremist communities. I know a 
couple episodes ago, I talked about No Nut November, how it's like, this is cool. It appeals to some things that we have that are already kinks anyway. So, hey, what's this about? Um, And then it's sort of like a recruiting tool for these really conservative beliefs. It's kind of the same thing with trad wives. And it's huge, especially with Gen Zers. And I have a theory that there are just like No Nut November, like, oh, it appeals to the kink in us that maybe we didn't even know we had. And that's why it's alluring. And we, you know, want to do it, find out more about it. I think that's happening with trad wives, at least in some contexts, not all of them. But, you know, hey, a lot of people do want to be domestic service subs. They have a 1950s housewife kink. Uh, then there's this trad wife thing. If you go on the internet, especially on Twitter, where there's more sex kind of stuff, you'll see the term trad wife used in reference to kinks and things that seem more pornographic or meant to titillate. And then you will see trad wives used in a very ultra conservative kind of right wing religious sort of vibe. And it's really hard to tell if that's the first place you've encountered the concept of a trad wife. What's the difference between the kink and the questionable subculture? Uh, So there's a couple articles on there. One of our contributors wrote a great article about like, what are trad wives? And, you know, how does it relate to feminism? How does it relate to kink? How does kink relate to feminine? Like, how do all these things work? And how can you basically have your cake and eat it too? Or like, have your cake and bake it, you know, in a nice frilly apron while not breaking a sweat and waiting on your husband, and he can eat it too. You know, whatever you want, it's all about choice. Um, and then I also wrote a piece like really breaking down, these are the differences, like from a kink perspective, what's a trad wife and what's a domestic uh, service sub or, you know, 1950s housewife kink person. It's fascinating. And, you know, obviously, I feel strongly about this, because I'm still talking about it. But it's something that we all need to know the difference of, because I know if you listen to this podcast, I know, you know, where you lean in the uh, political social spectrum. And we don't want these two things confused, you know, so tell tell your friends, tell people, let them know it's not not the same. Um, but if you enjoy what we're doing with Zipper Magazine, also tell your friends, like share your favorite articles and stuff on your sex positive, you know, Facebook groups, there's a private kink groups or discord groups or on your own profile. Why? Because, you know, I've told you before, us sex educators, any anyone having to do with any sort of sexual health education, yada, yada, we get lumped in with explicit porn content, which again, I don't even think there's anything wrong with porn. Um, but we are treated like we are meant to titillate and as entertainment, and therefore we're shadow banned, we're suppressed, we're all that. So follow, please, Zipper Magazine, whether it's on Twitter, we just got a TikTok, um, YouTube, Instagram, etc., as well as American Sex Podcast and me, Sunny Megatron, because, you know, we can all use your help. And I've got all those links in the show notes, in addition to a bunch of other stuff. If you're, well, you're probably not still doing shopping. It's a little late. I don't know if shipping is happening, but you know, I know you like to buy things for yourself and Valentine's Day is coming up. So we got the discounts, all the sex toy shops and BDSM gear and all that stuff. So uh, go get those discounts. And I do want to give a shout out to one that I 
always have links for who I love, who it's a digital thing. So you can still give it for Christmas. It's Kink Academy. They have over 2000 videos of everything BDSM and kink that you can imagine, you know, from the how to skills, like those hard skills to the soft skills to the how to be a good human skills that we never, ever stop learning. It's all there. You can get your subscription at bit.ly slash kink academy, the number one place that I recommend for some good, real kink education. Also, it helps support the podcast. So please, you know, whether you're using Kink Academy for yourself, you're giving it as a gift, or you're simply just recommending it to others and putting the link online, please pass on my link, bit.ly slash Kink Academy. And also in those show notes, you'll find my negotiation workbook that is free, all sorts of different stuff, links to our Discord group. Just, just go look. There's everything. There's everything, including Midori's link as well. One last thing is it's time for winter hiatus. Like we do this every year for the holidays. We will be off air through all of January, coming back in early February. And I'm going to be working, y'all. You know how I've talked about uh, rebranding American sex. We toyed for a minute about actually changing the name because even though we know what it means, we know it means we all grew up in this backward ass country that taught us backward ass things about sex and uses shame and fear to control us, not just in the bedroom, but in every aspect, you know, from our economics to our family structure to all that stuff. And so we have a unique brand of all fucked up about sex and kink. Uh, That's why it's called American sex. But I feel like mm, maybe it gives a different impression. You know, maybe some people read the name and they're like, America, that's not what we're about here. But I decided against the name change. Me and Ken talked about it and we're like, "Ah, it's a lot. So, but we're doing a whole new rebrand. We're working on new arts, new themes to kind of stray away a little bit more away from the America or the America impression it might be giving some folks. So, uh, Hopefully, I'll get finished with all that. And we will unveil it when we come back in February. I'm very excited. And uh, on that note, these balls, they are clean. These jingle balls, these chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know, it's a holiday thing. Uh, Also, no matter how you celebrate, if you even choose to celebrate, have an amazing solstice, December, early January, New Year, whatever it is. I hope everything's great for you. And now here is me and the one and only fabulous Midori talking about global BDSM. Hi. So we've got Midori on the line. I just jumped in. I didn't give you a countdown or anything. <laughs> Did I just non-consensually podcast you? <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I'm just excited. How are you, Midori? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm working on getting over my jet lag back from back from Japan. Still yes. working on that. Yep. 
Yeah. So, okay. This is, I'm going to let everyone in on our little secret, how the sausage is made. The impetus for this episode is Midori and I were chit-chatting. You know, you had just been invited out to Japan to teach a shibari class. Um, And then on my end, I, you know, those of you who listen know that uh, me and Ken and the family are looking into an international move. So the theme of our conversation was like, (gasps) oh, global kink, like there is some cultural, profound cultural differences. Not only, you know, we think about we're very United States centered here in the US or North America, or wherever you are. I know people are listening from all over the world. But it's like, we think, oh, the way things are done in my kink community. Well, of course, they do the same thing two states over. And we have a, a harsh slap of reality when we're like, go to a dungeon, you know, in California for from Ohio or something and realize things are completely different. But when you take yourself into a completely different culture, with like different uh, ideas around consent, and you know, the the system and order and hierarchy of things, it's kind of a mind fuck. So there we go. We have we we're here. Uh, so tell me about why were you invited to teach a shibari class in Japan, and why were they so excited about having you there specifically? Okay, so a little background. Family origin, you know this, but this is for the listeners and the viewers, mm-hmm. yeah? Um, I'm originally from Japan, born and raised, and very much, and not like went to international school, very immersed, and with my mother being, a, a, having been a scholar in Edo period, Japan, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I had a lot of immersion in traditional and contemporary cultures. And I'm watching this and noticing this as I'm coming into being a pubescent young adult, at which point I moved to the United States. So my perspective is very global and international. uh, And uh, so there's that. So, and I was going back to Japan for family things. Mm-hmm. And one of the kink themed bar managers uh, and curator for a kink gallery, and they also own the bar, like, hey, we want you to come teach in our monthly women's shibari class. And like, oh, okay. And the this manager being uh, being a woman and also being international, keenly aware of big blind spots in Shibari, not just Shibari, but also general sexuality and BDSM in Japan. And okay. this is as a, a grown-up woman, very keenly aware, and somebody who deals with erotic imagery from a curatorial standpoint. Her interest and the interest that she wanted me to bring in was essentially consent and discussion of how to have equitable kink Mm -hmm. where all individuals have say and agency around this. So, yes, I am teaching a shibari class in Japan with an emphasis towards not performance, but private play. Because so often 
the teaching over there is centered upon the performativity. Okay. Okay. And what, what I'm bringing, I would call, I would put under the large umbrella of Shin Shibari or New Shibari. Some mm-hmm. people are calling it Neo Shibari, but I like Shin Shibari means New Shibari that mm-hmm. it's a globalized hybrid form that is based upon mutuality and consent, which is not so in Japan. Okay. Okay. That kind so, of piques an interest, right? Yeah. I- I'm thinking to myself, because like I've never been to Japan. I really know nothing about the culture, but what I've seen on TV or what I've heard from you, you know? Um, and when I think about the kink community and especially centered around shibari and the 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 cult the sacred japanese culture of shibari and the ancient art and you know all of this stuff and i know we've talked lots of times and anyone who's yeah. listening who's a fan of yours which is probably everybody knows that you talk about this too it's like oh wait a minute it's not you know what this mm-hmm. romanticized version of what people think the culture is um but still, at the same time, I don't think I would have put together like, wow, consent is really that much of a uh, missing topic when it comes to kink. You're in a kink bar. There's a kink bar. But we are in a culture that doesn't know consent. Like, it's kind of in the American well, brain. It's well, like, does it's, not compute, right? Like, it's, it's also about thinking and framing consent and agreement making differently. Okay. So consent in the way that that in the 2020s we're discussing in North America centered. I mean, think about it, how we're talking about consent today is not how consent was discussed in the 1980s, in the 1950s, in, in 1990s, or for that matter, now in various different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to folks who are coming into their sexual self-education online now, there may be this idea that uh, consent, negotiations, safe words, hard limits were always valued. Do you know as mm-hmm. well as, as... Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the reason that it's such a big deal today is because it hasn't been. Right. Yeah. And then... Okay, so when I think of that, like you saying, okay, imagine how it was in the eighties, because I remember, like, I look back at some of those old like eighties movies, like the like the you know Fast Times at Ridgemont High or like the teen movies, and I'm just like, they were all so non consensual. We all thought this was okay, Um, but then, like you said, I kind of frame it into like, well, we didn't know then. We weren't as like I don't know evolved or emotionally intelligent or some crap like that. but then it's like, can we frame other cultures in that way? Or are we like, I don't know, like, oh, they're not as advanced as us. That seems kind of shitty to think, too. Like, how would we put that in perspective without, like, accidentally perpetuating some shitty thoughts about other cultures? You know what I mean? That's going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, and worth thinking about. Let's, let me back it, back it up and... Because we're already diving into the deep end of yeah, cultural I know. relativity oh, and kink. We always just boom, yeah. right there. <laughs> boom, yeah. 
All right. So here's a common question I get asked, right? Hey, Midori, I and, and you know, as an adult now, I'm going back and I'm researching. In other words, I go to kink bars and kink events. I've performed over there, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I've certainly got my own tentacles over there mm-hmm. into uh, what's happening. So I'll get asked, um, I think mostly from people who don't necessarily know my take on things because mm-hmm. I think they're expecting an easy answer because people who know me will be like, okay, I'm going to hate asking you this, but right. anyhow, the common question <laughs> is, Hey, Midori, I'm going to Japan. And how do I, um, tell me how to uh, connect with the kink community over there and find where the play is happening. And you would think I'd be like, oh, awesome. Go to this, this, you know, here's right. here's the uh, groups and here's the events and here's where uh, something like Dark Odyssey or uh, Ropecraft or the local munch is happening and to find the community. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to get is me going, okay, do you want the short answer or do you <laughs> want the long answer? Because the short answer uh, will leave you baffled, probably mm-hmm. disappointed, but it's true. And the long answer will require, um, I don't know, about 12 hours of historical and, and relative cultural perspective making around what leads to contemporary sexuality in Japan and how as a foreigner you access that. Wow. And so people yeah. like, what? Can't you just, can't, Midori, what's your problem? Can't you just point me to the community over there? And I take a deep, deep breath. All right, so I can tell you the short version. The short mm-hmm. version is, Community as you know it, kink community as you know it here in, uh, say, North America or European based, does mm-hmm. not exist in Japan. Uh, asterisk refer to the 12 hour course. Okay. And do you speak Japanese? Do you have a lot of money? Uh, or are you ethnically Japanese? Okay. You got to have at least two out of those three. Oh shit! Well, I'm not getting get any fun in Japan then. <laughs> so in, which, in which case, you go with someone. Oh, okay, okay, I like that. Right? Yep. Or to understand understand how things are done over there, mm-hmm. starting with let's look at our own, and I'm going to focus on North America. Right. Okay. So for folks who are watching and listening from elsewhere, please know that we're focusing on North America. But I have noticed in a lot of kink language and kink thinking, Mm -hmm. contemporary kink thinking has been exported from North America in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. North America and Western Europe. And, in a sense, the North American attitude around kink is colonizing other places without thinking about how 
their social sexual structure. Oh God, I'm going in the deep end again. Sorry. No, I like the deep end. This is what we're about. The deep okay. end. <laughs> so I want to paint a picture, right? So there's two guys. Okay. So let's say Joe and Mr. Tanaka. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tanaka is like Smith. All right. right. So let's say Mr. Smith and Mr. Tanaka. There we go. And mm-hmm. they are both um, IT managers. Okay. Okay. In some financial services or something. Mm-hmm. Got it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Got some disposable income, all that. Great. And and I'm making broad generalizations, y'all, but right. I need to illustrate this. That Mr. Smith in North America being tied up, uh, tied up by a, let's say, companion woman tied up by a woman and there he is in a in a shibari and a hog tie situation mm-hmm. okay and here's mr taka tied up by a woman and in a hog tie shibari situation you would think that these two scenes are identical mm-hmm. and they're tied the same way right and similar gender and orientation socioeconomics Mm-hmm. Except these are two totally different scenes that carry two totally different um, cultural romance and cultural virtues, if you will, mm-hmm. and cultural trauma. Ah, so, <sighs> yeah, Mr. Smith, okay. the every culture has our own mythology, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the American mythology is like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you're gonna mm-hmm. make it on your own and and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, the and more than a little bit of the single hero kind of imagery and the romance of the cowboy, the James Dean, the outlier and the rebel mm-hmm. is the romance, right? Right, right. Roots sixty six. Mm-hmm. And contemporary North American kink culture owes a chunk, not all of it, but owes a lot to gay male leather culture. Yep. So there's an influence from that, which is also uniquely American with its own image making around hyper machismo as reaction to reaction to being uh, denigrated by society and considered mm-hmm. not masculine. So you get this like Tom of Finland hyper masculinity going on. You got the James Dean thing. You've got the post World War II, Korean War, military. Mm-hmm. Um, and also think about the heroes of American masculinity because we're talking about Mr. Smith. Right. So heroes of American masculinity would be cowboys. Mm-hmm. What else? What yeah. else? What else would be here? Oh God, yeah. cowboys! Like you know, strong superhero types. Uh, like like the the provider, the, the dad, the, who the uniform. The, yeah, yeah. The construction worker, mm-hmm. the leatherman. We're just described why the YMCA. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is why we're friends. Okay, <laughs> yes. and and that's exactly where I'm leading to. Also. Yeah. Bugs Bunny. Okay. Okay. Bugs Bugs Bunny is a certain type of very like World War II 
Mm -hmm. uh, Mid-century American masculine ideal. Uh, yeah. Smart talking, bit sassy, smart, but always there for the underdog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the American masculinity is very much rooted in professions in authority and power holding uh, professions mm -hmm. in a working class. Yeah. Yeah. In that, in that working class, every man ideal, except who really holds the power in our culture. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not the fireman, but who do we think is sexy? It's the fireman. The fireman yeah. right? mm -hmm. And and again, folks, I'm looking specifically at at, at like a masculine here because we're talking about Mr. Smith and Mr. Right. Tanaka because there's also other imagery discussion around other genders as well. But mm -hmm. we're focusing on a narrow thing, right? And sexual transgression is part of the the fantasy of North America centered kink activities and subcultures. Like right. ooh, I'm a rebel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except we're doing our rebel thing at a hotel conference room. Right, right. You know, it's interesting because as you're saying this, I'm having my own little mini revelation um about something I already know. But, but I'm seeing it in a different light. Like I, one of the things I say all the time is in kink, we pervert social norms and hierarchies for our pleasure. That's what we're doing. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, in our uh, American culture, that could be, you know, I'm going to, again, broad strokes, like you can go to two opposite ends of the spectrum. It could be like, we are like hyper portraying a certain archetype to the point of almost being cartoonish and larger than life. Um, or we are maybe stepping into uh, certain, you know, social norms uh, that in our day to day might be kind of fucked up and traumatic and not the best for us, but we're playing mm -hmm. with them and exploring them by like stepping into them. But really, you know, and like I said, that's my own phrase. I know that. Mm -hmm. But now and I'm totally dovetails. Yeah, I'm seeing it in a different light because I frame that phrase to my culture. And now I'm like, oh, shit, if like all really like almost everything we do in kink, dare I say everything, although I always never like to speak in absolutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like everything we do is based in everything about us as a culture. And it's like when we step into another culture, we are kink is totally different because we are perverting completely different social norms and hierarchies, which like to me is like, you know, light bulbs going off in my head. And like, it also reminds me of another thing that has come up recently in my life is because we're planning on this international move and, you know, my two adult kids are moving with me and we've just been talking about like, oh, what's it going to be in Portugal? What's going to be like? What's going to be like meeting new people? What's the culture going to be like? And one of the things we said is like, it's going to be a real mind fuck and a head trip to be with a group of peers that maybe you become friends with and you joke around with 
And these peers have none of your social references. Like if I'm with my American friends who grew up in the same generation as I did, I can say, oh, remember those, you know, commercials for high C where the guy goes through the wall or remember this cartoon or remember this. And we don't realize how much those are not just a fabric of our culture, but like our individual makeup. Like, you know, those are all the foundational childhood things that I grew up with that most people who grew up here grew up with. Which superhero? Exactly. All that's going to be different to so everyone else around you. Yeah. Let's get back to Mr. Smith. All right. So, mm-hmm. so his background, now he's got the the disposable income to be going to kink events. And mm-hmm. in his mind, he is a rebel. In some ways he is because he has had to come to terms with uh, that he's saying to himself that at some point or another he had to come to terms with he likes kinky things which are culturally titillating it's considered titillating but also not a conversation with polite society and depending on where you're at considerably shamed right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a coming out and even we have this language around coming out that Mm -hmm. we borrowed from whom the gay community. The queer folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the queer liberation movement borrowed that civil rights liberation movement style from whom? Civil rights. Civil rights, absolutely. Yeah. And the idea of individual rights beyond born born caste and uh, born serf versus royal, who do we owe that to? The Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So... Bam, we're going now back to the 17th century. But Mr. Smith has had to come out. Now, that may or may not be easy, depending on, you know, he's coming out in San Francisco or Seattle, or is he coming mm-hmm. out in um, uh, I North Dakota? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So there's going to be different challenges, but still in the romance of, masculinity uh and cultural ideal of pursuing your own bliss and americans are so about are you happy i mean americans are obnoxious about are you happy mm-hmm. yeah um and portraying happy mm-hmm. and what many um other internationals would think like dumbass american smiles uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. The culture of of happy, right? Mm-hmm. And that of the individual pursuits. So, mm-hmm. Mr. Smith here is a is a product of the Enlightenment, is product of the civil rights, the gay rights, the leather culture. Also, a North American um, cultural mythology mm-hmm. around mutually supportive middle-classness. I want you to finish this sentence in your mind. I deserve a sex life that is... What? What comes to mind? Don't be afraid to say it. Embrace it. Because whatever it is, you deserve it. And Dipsy can help you get there in new and sexy ways. 
Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Dipsy has stories for both straight and queer listeners, and over half of their stories are voiced by people of color. Now, you've never heard celebrities like this before. Listen to stories voiced by Sharonis J. Jackson and Luke Cook. And there's new content up every week, so you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read, too. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore those fantasies, relax and unwind or heat things up with your partner. And for listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's S-U-N-N-Y. Yeah, that's 30 days of full access absolutely for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash sunny. That's dipsystories.com slash sunny. So uh-huh. Mr. Smith here is a is a product of the Enlightenment, is product of the civil rights, the gay rights, the leather culture, also a North American um cultural mythology mm-hmm. around mutually supportive middle-classness. Okay. Which I'm going to pull back to the agrarian America. Uh-huh. Until the World War II um, military industry, mm-hmm. the U.S. was very agrarian. And the the ideal, even the way that we put neighborhood organizations together, there's this whole, like what I call quilting bees and barn raising that (laughs) each one, each one teach one and we get together and we help and we teach each other and look at how we organize the kink subcultures. An individual has to say, hi, I'm kinky. Can I find other people who's kinky and uh, let's, you know, support each other and teach each other. And what about our rights? Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. And there's this idea, also this idea around, and I think this comes from a American puritanical idea about work, labor, and fun. That, and this is what what you and I encountered. That if mm-hmm. you love teaching about kink why you know we shouldn't pay you because it's for the good of the community right yeah oh god crumble crumble yeah using the term community to imply that there is a self-identified group of people who self-identify and choose together and that we have the same rights and expectations and mutual care and protection which is a what I would call a barn raising and quilting bee idea of community Mm -hmm. with the romance of everyone's equal middle class and no one's going to be royalty. And our, our heroes are, are firemen and 
and uh, astronauts, mm-hmm. right? So, and Wonder Woman. Of course, of, yes. Right. So Mr. Smith, back to Mr. Smith, he is there having willingly identified that this is part of his complex identity. And he is engaging in rebellion, even as he's enlisting his privilege to do so. Okay. Okay. Now let's go back to Mr. Tanaka. Same shape, all that. Now, in Japan, accessing kink, and you would think with all the kink imagery that's produced, that there is all sorts of community formation in the way that we think of the barn raising quilting theme. Mm-hmm. No, because pleasure entertainment in Japan has been accepted, not kink is accepted, that commercial places to enjoy, okay, this is where like my, my cultural, trying to match the culture explanation, to engage in and enjoy entertainment. Okay. Right, that there are places to be entertained, and one does not have to be of that to enjoy the entertainment. In other words, there's no coming out. Yeah, yeah. And since since the Edo period, there has been entertainment quarters, and unlike say the the uh, strict Protestant or strict Catholic, uh, strict Christian various sects. There are so many Christian sects. Oh my God. Um, Confusing to the Japanese brain here. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So instead of, instead of shoving the, the erotic entertainment Uh to the back alleys and the CDC ports, the Tokugawa government created areas that were entertainment. And, and I don't, and red light is sort of, not quite right. right. It includes erotic imagination, but it also includes luxury and sense of living well and, and theater and amazing food and dressing. And in other words, getting to be like the upper class and the, the fantasy of the mm-hmm. nobility. But okay. who's achieving that? The mercantile. And right. you don't have to be out about kinky to go into a place where the entertainment is kinky. Okay. Yeah, that's very different. Very different. Huh. And to have a community in the sense that we mean it in North America, the barn raising culture, if you will, it requires individuals to say, hi, I'm kinky. Mm-hmm. Well, in Japan, that would cause disharmony. And uh, again, broad, broad strokes here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of readings around the, the formation of identity self and uh, the aggregate culture. But mm-hmm. um, the act of saying, I am an individual, I am an island unto myself, that I have control over my destiny. Mm-hmm. It's a Western European idea. Yeah. And to be out means that I have to examine myself and I am 
it is about me and how I form my future. As opposed to, uh, I am part of a culture, a complex culture that values harmony. Okay. Yeah. As opposed to self-actualization or the fantasy of self-actualization. So the, the toxic side is the value valuing self-actualization and pursuit of happiness goes all the way to selfishness, exploiting other people at all costs. Okay. Ugly shadow toxicity, right? right? The valuing harmony. Great. Which makes Japan great to visit. Please visit Japan. It's fantastic. Um, The, if you go all the way to this side, it is, the the group harmony above all else and people will not speak of anything that creates discomfort. Okay. And makes anyone uncomfortable. For example, sexual assault. Mm. And I'm talking about being groped on trains and oh, having wow. having family members of all all range of sexual violation, gender-based violence, right? Mm -hmm. And gender-based bullying now of increasing teenage girl suicides in Japan. Wow. Because the culture of silence has not to create shame and disharmony. So this is all the way, right? Yeah. so erasure of self or utter selfishness and Uh and i'm talking extremes here right right so in japan talking about mr tanaka he is going to and engaging in his getting his bondage kink on by being able to access clubs and bars that have professionals and the clubs and bars and establishments are owned generally by the owners oftentimes not known because oh, interesting. mafia <clears throat> mafia <clears throat> oh okay okay yeah <laughs> mafia yeah. Um, much like gay bars in the 50s and 60s in the United States mm-hmm. were uh, owned by the mafia Surprise, right. surprise. Um, the bar managers and the workers are doing a job. Now, they may, people show up there. Obviously, they personally enjoy this stuff, but they've got the framework that, well, this is entertainment. So Mr. Tanaka, instead of the fantasy of rebel, is in, seriously simplifying this, but um, in engaging in partaking of the partaking of the pleasures of the privileged class. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. So in huh. a sense, he is he is keeping the social machinery moving because he will not speak of what has happened. Mhm. And even if he runs into a coworker at the same King themed hostess bar, nothing. And next, yeah, nothing. Right. Whereas in North America, 
we go on, let's see, Kingsters have gone on marches at the March on Washington and the the phrase safe, sane and consensual mm-hmm. for the listeners, that was formed as a political slogan mm-hmm. because the gay rights movement and in the March in Washington did not want the leather folks and the king folks because they were considered to be um, uh doing bad things to the uh, gay liberation movement mm-hmm. and, you know, hide, hide the, the crazy uncle in the attic. Right. And leather folks came out and said, no, 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 we, we want to be visible, but we need a political slogan. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I may have the year wrong, I think it was the National Leather Association's back office meeting in 1981 in Dallas, where they came up with the phrasing safe, sane, and consensual. Yep. It started as a political slogan for greater visibility and acceptance of people who are saying, hello, I'm out of the pervert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have. So Mr. Tanaka is keeping social harmony, keeping the, the, uh, keeping your behavior contained in appropriate places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the money. fact that, yeah. yeah, the fact that it is appropriate and that it is entertainment, he can, you know, it's like hide in plain sight, be closeted and not, you know, have to tell others about what he really desires and feels and even not have to admit it to himself what he really desires and feels, but can go out or, to the or, places and look like, or, okay, this is entertainment. Here's a, here's a, here's a nuance, uh-huh. right? That the idea that the self is not constant. Okay. So when I, as Mr. Tanaka, mm-hmm. walk into, uh, say, Black Heart Kink Bar, I get to pull this part of me out. And all mm-hmm. the people know me, and I am as Mr. Tanaka. I like to cross dress and wear a collar, and the staff play a little bit with me, and I sit around and drink. Oh, yeah, and drinking and kinking um, happens together in Japan. And if you go to Japan, don't be all judgy about that because different culture. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't want to play with somebody who's been drinking, fine, you get mm-hmm. to set those rules. Right. So the the idea that, that the self is always constant. I can I can be self-acknowledging in context. Interesting. Because yeah. if I'm as Mr. Tanaka in the kink bar, at that point I'm not dad. Very compartmentalized. Mhm. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. And compartmentalization has a function. There's, there's compartmentalization that's, that's not good for the self. And then there's compartmentalization that we engage in every day. Right. Yeah. Um, How we shift behaviors in context, right? Mm -hmm. So if that affects the sense of self, now, Consent in Japan, as we think of it in the kink subculture, oh, this is going to be hard for me to say, (laughs) but as we know it, is not how kink is done. And because cis female and from Japan, when I'm over there, 
I can be not Jenny from the block, but you know, Midori from the Midori from right. Shinjuku, right? Right. So yeah, I'm I'm like the I'm I'm the homegirl that, as my girlfriends would put it, got out. Uh. Japan has one of the lowest birth rate and lowest sexual satisfaction in various different surveys. And hmm. uh, you being the science hippie, science nerd that you are, I know that mm-hmm. you put the various citations, but there's some really good studies on global sexual satisfaction. And I think in one of the years, it was the Swiss who were like really sexually satisfied. Go Switzerland. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's not been Japan. And you would think with all the access to kink imagery that every individual sex life is highly kinky. The visual consumption, entertainment consumption, and individual's personal sexual practice are two very different things. And mind wow. sex and mind sex and the sex that I have can be totally different. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that is very that is fundamentally just not like anything that I would have. Uh, so, so back to the bit about me being cis female, because this is, this is a relevant part. I get to talk to uh, women in Japan in a way that is not filtered because mm. I'm homegirl. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of figuring things out in the in the dark and kind of uh, I'll do these things and maybe I'll like something mm-hmm. in regular conversations in Japan saying no in the way that Americans say no no means no just saying no doesn't happen in everyday conversation mm. and it's a common business discussion where an American businessman and a Japanese uh, 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 American businesswoman, Japanese businesswoman—they're having a conversation. American business person comes away thinking, "Oh, uh, there was no objections, and there was a lot of head nodding, so this contract is agreed upon." The contract's never agreed upon because all that the Japanese businesswoman was saying was, "Yes, I hear you." Yes, I hear you. I will not be uh, confrontational and aggressive as to say no. Yeah. Okay. But we've never we've never agreed on anything. Um, so how do you say no when no is not even no the w- the way that we talk no is yeah doesn't even happen in casual conversation. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Americans have a hard enough time with like, you know, like, oh, I know my personal thing is I, you know, it's hard for me to say no, but it's still our culture embraces saying no. If, yeah, it's a lot. And negotiations before the, before scenes, and I'm including shibari scenes, but also any sorts of other kink and non-kink sex negotiation doesn't happen. Hmm. Not in the sense that we know it. And Does this mean consent isn't happening? Well, to say, I can say that consent North American style and negotiation North American style is not happening. But there is an agreement made, but not necessarily explicit. And when the 
in visual is not the center of philosophy and social order, one may not, there's like no sex ed. Mm-hmm. And the age of consent is 13 for girls. Oh. Oh. Ah. And, and rape is classified only when it meets very certain criteria. Mm-hmm. And if you create social discomfort by saying that you were, say, sexually, ass- say you're a famous journalist that uh, uh, sues a high-ranking politician for sexual assault. Mm. This is an actual case. Oof. This is an actual case. He does not fall. Everybody laughs and harasses her out of the country. Oh, jeez. She left. Wow. So this takes me back to something you said at the beginning of our conversation then. Mm-hmm. So you go over and you teach in Japan. And you said something about colonizing. And it's like, as oh, an yeah. American, when I hear you say, like, this is the way the culture is, and I think this is probably the default thinking for most Americans, are like, oh, my God, that's ass backwards. We got to teach them about consent. Uh, but is that really, like, culturally, contextually possible to bring consent over in the way we think of it as Americans and if it, is that what you were talking about when you said colonization? Like, if we just bring our yeah. way of doing things over? So, before we started recording this, we were talking mm-hmm. about this. Um, when I was invited to teach, and invited to teach the emotional, psychological, and relational, not just the shapes of ties. Mm-hmm. That's one of my specialties, you know? Um, and negotiation and consent and agency and women because this is a class for women and female identified people to speak their wants and to participate in scene creation negotiation as as we think of it i had a bit of internal struggle of am i engaging in colonizing And I am still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I am falling to the side of no, because I'm offering this as an option. Okay. Yeah. Because there is a way in which within the Japanese culture, language, and kink subcultures, and notice I say subcultures, not communities, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, uh, how is the terminology? The, uh, the kink system or structures, cultural mm-hmm. structures work. There is some ways of agreements. It's not just bopped over the head and dragged off by the hair. There is some sort of agreements and some sort of uh more subtle communication that's difficult to teach and say like a language app. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's agreements form. 
but it's not necessarily working for everyone because uh. aforementioned high number of actual sexual assaults and vi- gender-based violations that's not reported. The survey Ooh, and reporting okay. are yeah. very different. Uh-huh. Right? So there is there is a problem and I'm addressing this problem as because I grew up over there because I'm Japanese and and yeah I've been molested on the train that was like normal oh What's up? We're Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Two black single moms living in L.A., the valley to be exact. Duh. But don't get it twisted. We keep it 100, real, and unfiltered every Wednesday. This is not your average mom show. No DIYs, mommy hacks. Or complaining about how our kids just hit their 60-month milestone. This is grown folks talk. That's right, because mama got to have a life, too. Nothing is off limits as we discuss mental health, sex, motherhood, dating, culture, and our sometimes bad choices. With a range of guests from social activists to porn star parents, this is a judgment-free zone for moms, women, and anyone looking for their tribe. Join us, your hosts, Erica and Mila of Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Every Wednesday on all podcast platforms. A podcaster goes to Tokyo to uncover stories of sex, relationships, and queerness, and winds up getting a happy ending massage. That's the kind of Bourdain-style experiential storytelling you can expect from Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. Hi, I'm Courtney Kosak, and for the show, we've traveled to Helsinki, Finland, Mexico City, Mexico, Tokyo, Japan, and beyond to explore different modes of intimacy and increase our cultural understanding. Tune in for hilarious, sex-positive conversations, destigmatizing everything from abortion to Ashley Madison, polyamory to PMDD, sex work to Shibari, and more. Follow Private Parts Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because I grew up over there because I'm Japanese and, and yeah, I've been molested on the train. That was like normal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like some dude exposing themselves to a bunch of schoolgirls. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprising. Yeah. And now all the things that are happening online too. Because I remember that, and I'm talking to my girlfriends, and I'm talking to uh, entertainment industry and sex industry workers. Mm-hmm. So, if I share it as here is an option, here is a way to an- another way to consider trying some things, mm-hmm. and where we started is first. Ask yourself what you're hungry for. And the class started with that before we even touch rope. Because I know that, okay, but half the class were expats. Uh-huh. And like half the class were uh, Japanese local folks. 
So I'm flipping back and forth. I'm doing this bilingual. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. And in a way that that I'm not introducing a new concept or diff different concept too quickly, nor am I boring the expats. Right. Right. But the expats also know that. They know the culture is different. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. So they were very patient with me, and that was nice. But starting with just straight up telling women, that, no, no, what is it that we want out of kink? It's not about what the boyfriend wants. It's not what about played in the porn that we saw. It's not mm -hmm. about right now the self. And that's actually a really big ask. It's also a really big ask here in North America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's huge to, to mm -hmm. you know, maybe for the first time, and I don't know the age of the people that were in the class, but I know like in my classes, and I, I know you you get people from, you know, hey, they're 20, 21 years old, whatever. And then you get people who are like, I'm 63. And I just discovered that I want to know more about kink, you know, and mm -hmm. for some of these folks who have, you know, lived X amount of years in their adult lives being very set in their ways and very set in the fact that like, I operate as a human being who doesn't have any idea what I want. And I've never been in touch with it before to then dig down and bring that out. That's hard. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, yes. And in various um, sex positive enclaves, I think Oftentimes we get impatient. Like how in, so? What do you mean? Like impatient and it's consent. Don't you understand consent? It's it's we all agree that consent is good. Mm -hmm. Getting there, we may forget what the journey is like or not know what the journey is like for other people. Right. Right. Um yeah. And <sighs> mm. I, I was just thinking, because like mm -hmm. I'm thinking now, again, culturally, but thinking more within the United States, because like most of our audience that are listening, they are, like you said, North American. Um, and it's like, I think not only do we have and hello, to, Australia. Yes. Hello, Australia. everybody. <laughs> Y'all listen. I know there's a lot yeah. of Canadians and, and uh, you know, uh, Americans, but there's people all over. I see the statistics. Yeah. I see you there, Australia and India and, you know, wherever. Anyway, so, um, but I think at the same time, while we're looking at these other cultures and opening our minds, we have to take that same attitude to our own backyard because mm -hmm. a lot of what we're talking about when we're talking about, well, of course it's consent. Well, of course you don't play when you're drinking. Well, of course, blah, 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 blah. that's more, you know, the uh, people who have grown up here in North American progressive circles who that's not everybody. You know, there mm -hmm. are the, the people in small town, Iowa that have no connection to anything, or maybe they have that same, or I've never reached are... within myself. Or they're in New York in a Hasidic enclave. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and I think so, that impatience, yeah. that impatience that we have, like, you know, cause I've heard tons of fun all the time. It's like, well, of course you first, you know, ask yourself what you want in kink. And if someone's like, I don't know, they're like, well, come on, just what's your fantasy? Come on, spit it out. Like, it's not that easy. No, 
No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, back to comparing North America and Japan, uh-huh. how we learn. Um, the, the way that um, in, in North America, there's a romanticizing of, oh, the rope bondage masters and all the kink. I go over there and talk about kink conventions. And they're like, really? oh, because we take it for granted that there's and okay. So you might be in a conservative enclave, but you can go somewhere out yep. of town and mm-hmm. like go to a dark odyssey or sex down South. Right. Mm-hmm. And be in a hotel where all of these people are out and, are saying I am a pervert and these are the things and socializing in a hotel of centering on the self, not centered on entertainment. Right. And it's self-organized by self-identifying people Mm -hmm. in a big hotel. And that there are workshops now. So how do, well, aren't there workshops in Japan? How do folks learn about their kink skills in Japan? Well, contrary to a lot of fantasy that um, not everyone in Japan, their sex involves bondage, in fact, or shibari. In fact, it's like here where it's it's a small enclave mm-hmm. and it's a snicker, snicker, snicker. Right. The idea that shibari is like some sort of like national honored art form is like saying... Nina Hartley is a national treasure of blowjobs, which she is. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about that at the holiday table. Right. And she's not earning an Oscar, though she could probably suck the whole Oscar down. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Right. Yeah. That's an yeah. image. Um, so where do people learn this? They oftentimes learn this in. Well, let's see, there's videos, of course, but in terms of doing it for self is in these commercial establishments with the workers. And I've seen so many of these where I'm sitting back on the couch and I'm watching one of the hostesses um, doing like a little flogging scene or a little, um, oh, you know, the one of the customers, Mr. Tanaka, was like, oh, what's that hot wax feel like? So, you know, he's got a whiskey in one hand and the the bar worker in a corset will come and say, oh, give me your hand. Okay, I'm going to drip some wax on it. Mm-hmm. And various different bars will have educational events. Why? To draw customers. And the the professional professional bondage teachers they're really good at what they do and they are part of the red light district okay. and it oftentimes gets um whitewashed or some sort of christian guilt washed i think mm. it's christian washed uh, okay. or what i call art washing what uh, explain art washing by okay, so in Japan, these uh, various rope teachers and learning how to access kink stuff is in the context of the sex industry. Okay, and people just know that, mm. and it's like okay, this is this is 
craft and craft well done in any industry, any industry, any genre has its own obsessive following and is, is within that interest mm-hmm. respected. Like the person who uh, obsession over the kind of ramen mm-hmm. or all these special interests. Right. And so like shibari or any sort of kink stuff that you would access that through an industry professional. Mm. So they're sex workers. Right. Now in North America, we are so hung up around sex workers somehow being a dirty thing that Uh. there's this need to call it a a traditional Japanese art of meditation. It's a highly respected (laughs) art form. That's what I call art washing. Okay. Okay. Because it's lowbrow and there's nothing wrong with lowbrow because hi, tattoos, graffitis, murals, lowriders, and where in the hell did pole dancing and burlesque come from? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So art washing. Oh my God. And then I'll hear this whole thing around, oh, in Japan, they use uh, rope bondage for a meditative practice. No, they don't. No. No. And not everyone has like a Zen rock garden in their home. They live what? in condo. No. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So it's art washing and it is a form of othering, flattening and orientalizing. Uh, the whole I and in fact the idea of using rope bondage as a form of intentional meditation is a Western thing. Mm. But we attribute it to something that's outside. Right. But to intentionally say we can separate this from sex industry, we can separate this from um, erotic desires, that it can be platonic and meditative Mm -hmm. is a 21st century or late 20th century um, global hybrid. That's probably a more accurate form to think. Right. It is a 21st century global hybrid. Okay. What can we take out of this to get something good out of it that maybe it wasn't originally designed for? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's like more relevant for us and our purposes and our culture, or our identity or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, here's an interesting bit. So uh-huh. I'm at one of these kink theme bars. And I'm talking with a a, uh, a male friend in the industry, in the entertainment industry. And he is very, very good with rope and rope topping. Really sweet fellow. Very good. And I had my little pile of ropes and my mm-hmm. safety scissors on top. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I was done with my class and all of that. And he comes over and he's looking at the ropes and, and then points at the scissors and says, what's that for? And yeah, as an American, I'm like, what do you mean? What's that for? Are <laughs> you new? Like, yeah. <laughs> so the innovation of emergency extraction is a contemporary thing. And there's a lot of things that uh, have been innovated that 
we take for granted mm-hmm. in the North American context, like flogging, flogging and single tail. Let me tell you, um, it sucks in Japan. The floggers yeah. aren't all that. Uh, American or North American floggers and Australian whips are some yeah. of the finest and you know, usable tools. You know what's interesting? It's like, I don't know. I'm sure you you have this in your life where there's just this like synchronicity when there's like a theme that like bombards your life. And global kink has been just like being pelted at me unexpectedly from all different directions. And recently I did an interview with um, a pro dom out of the UK, Miss Ruby Marks. And one of the things she does Mm -hmm. is caning. And we had the most fascinating conversation that it, and again, it was one of those things like I I knew this somewhere in the back of my mind, but I didn't really like contextually know it, but talking about why caning is so popular in the UK and Scotland and, you know, the history of corporal punishment in schools and why, you know, you go to a, a kinkster's toy bag there, it's filled with canes. You come here to, the states and we're all about like the paddles and the hairbrushes and like the you know the form of corporal punishment that we are used to as children and it's like yeah the bell exactly and and part of me i hear that and i'm like well no shit of course but the other part of me is like but i i knew it but i didn't really examine it and put it in that context like oh yeah yeah it's anywhere you go so contextually different back to perverting social norms and hierarchies for our pleasure mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah oh my god i i this has been such an amazing conversation and I, like i said it's my i don't know my theme lately and and I, my brain still has more like new neural connections and, and to make I, about yeah, global and kink and i have so much more to talk about this is this a good time for me to mention that people can come to my office hours yes yeah D- get tell everybody like where they can get more midori uh my patreon and that's patreon.com forward slash planet midori and planet midori everywhere uh and every other week i host a live office hours in zoom great conversation and it's not just me teaching it it's it's an office hour and mm-hmm. the people that show up there Great people, uh, fantastic wisdom. And it's not just about kink because the Patreon exists for my whole creative, creative life because I also Mm -hmm. do installation and sculptures and stuff because a girl can't be just about kink alone because that, you know, all kink makes Jane a dull girl. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. God, thank you. And everybody, please go to the show notes for this episode, all of the Midori links, and I'll find some more link that the, the, you know, the global uh, and rates for, and statistics yeah, for those and of stuff. You who are, are listening, this stuff's not easy. I'm also figuring this out in my, you know, in, in, in my sixth decade now and figuring out cultural relativism and what does it mean as I'm trying to figure out myself. So uh-huh. if this seems like it's scrambling your brain, good, because that means you're thinking about it, because yeah. this is not simple. Yeah, I mean, it, it it scrambles my brain, you know, and it's like, people look to us and they're like, 
oh my goodness, you're the experts. You must know it all. It's like, no, uh, y'all listening are learning along with us as we're having the conversations and we're having the realizations and the, you know, it's, we're never going to stop learning no matter how much of an expert, and I hate that word, but how much of an expert people think we are, like, we're always learning. Um, so yeah, well, I'm basically you. sharing from all my fuck ups. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are fuck ups good for? Good, good stories and good teaching moments. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Thank you. I always love talking to you. You might be like our number one all time most episodes guest. Um, And as always, there's so much more to talk about. So come back, come back, come back. Uh, Yeah, until next time. Uh, And yeah, we got to book our trip to Japan, Midori. You got (laughs) to. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, thanks, Midori. Bye. Hey, thanks. Bye. Another time. Thanks for listening to American Sex. What's that? You want more? Well, you can start by streaming our TV show on Showtime, Sex with Sunny Megatron. Then pop on over to SunnyMegatron.com. Everything's there. You can get updates on my new book, check out my sex ed and BDSM workshops, learn how to book me for your organization or for coaching. You know, we also want to hang out with you too, right? So come join our Discord community or follow along on TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. I'm Sunny Megatron everywhere. And you can catch Ken on Twitter or tune in to his weekly D&D games on Twitch. If you want to support the show, a great way to do that is simply to tell people about it. Make a TikTok or tweet about your favorite part of this episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review too. And if you're a ride or die American fucker, you're going to want to join our Patreon community. We'll send you official American fucker stickers and you'll get a lot more too at patreon.com slash American sex. Now, just in case you happen to be one of the few that still has disposable income in this late stage capitalist hellscape. Well, when you're shopping for a new sex toy, BDSM gear, kink Academy membership or other things, please patronize our sponsors and affiliates you'll get a discount and it helps us too win-win all those links and codes are in our show notes thanks american fuckers we appreciate the heck out of you see you next time